You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 103. We'll be revisiting some of the elements of The Last Jedi and speculate a little bit on Avengers 4. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. Man, what a slow week in news. It's a dry well out there, man. <laughs> Holy. Yeah. We are in a major nerd news lull at this point. We're coming off the back end of The Last Jedi here. We're eagerly anticipating a solo trailer. We're on the doorstep of Black Panther. And it just seems to be one of those weeks where not much really happened. We got some set photos from Avengers 4. I'm going to speculate a bit on what they could mean for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Ryan Johnson's been doing a bit of rounds, trying to explain a few of the elements of The Last Jedi and Empire and a few other interviews as well as the Star Wars show. They ran through some of the secrets of The Last Jedi, which shed a little light on... The, the movie itself and its development process for me. So we're going to talk through a little bit of that at the back end of the episode. But before we get into all that, Troy, my man, it's been a great week. Comics are flowing. The collecting's doing great. How has, what is this, your second or third week of 2018 been? Yeah, oh, it's been great, man. It's it's good. You know, actually, uh, today, as of right now, well, I guess, you know, we always record on a Tuesday and it premieres on a Thursday. So when you hear this, you'll know that I do have a nice crisp steel box or steel book of uh, Blade Runner 2049, man. Yeah. Uh, Sanjay held it down once again, man. This guy is like a collecting guru, you know? <laughs> out of nowhere, too. Out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> He's the man. So uh, he'll be in Vegas, actually, when this comes out. So he'll be listening live from Vegas. But um, yeah, I got my still book and um, got my comics from last week. I actually got a little bit of uh, ahead of the game. Actually, not ahead of the game, but I picked up my comic books just before comic book day on the Wednesday. So I'm behind you. I think you're a week ahead of me because you yeah. waited until the Wednesday. Right? But uh, comic books have been great, man. D- DC right now for me is like top notch. It's <sighs> killing it, man. It's killing it. But you got some crisp uh, Captain America here. I'm waiting to pick up my Avengers uh, No Surrender. Yeah, No Surrender. Yeah. So it's a, it's a new weekly series. Yes, and for like a couple months, I think. Yeah, right? I think so. I think 12 weeks or so. Yeah. And it's interesting because we I know we had talked about this before and you know we're we're talking about having ongoing books that don't really tie into particular events or whatever. But I thought I'd really give this one a shot. You know, I'm trying to reformat and reframe my pull list and I I saw this on the shelves and I said, All right, I'm in for this for twelve weeks, if the first book can hook me. And it did. You know, it was it's a good story walking into it. I wouldn't say that it's a great jumping on point. You have to have I'd say a little bit of background to understand the individual characters, Mm -hmm. but you get the gist of it. It's a big event. It's a world-ending event. It's a Marvel Comics event. So I would say if you're looking for an avenue in and you've done a bit of reading in the past, I'd say jump into this. The first issue really hooked me, but what's really been getting me is two series that are now full-time on my pull list. One is this new Captain America series. We are back to basics. The art is fantastic. It's, it's got this real like Jack Kirby vibe. It's got it's a throwback Captain America book. We're talking and we're going to stories that feel appropriate for Captain America. They're a bit smaller, a bit more contained. He's rolling solo. 
and they're just nailing it. This has been a long time coming, going back all the way to, I think, the Rick Remender, Dimension Z stuff. Nice. I like that stuff. Yeah, like, but it's, this is, this is back to basics. Nice. And... I, I'm just really loving Captain America again here. We, he's went through kind of a, a bit of a turbulent time, if you can say that, with Secret Empire. I really like that, but it really took the character down a path that you wouldn't have predicted a couple years ago. And yeah. I think that's good for a character, but now they're going back, reframing him and saying, look, this is a Captain America you're going to get for the foreseeable future, and I'm absolutely loving it. Do they catch you up on everything? They, they speed you up to date in this book, the first issue? Yeah, they kind of give you a... Do you know in that preamble, almost like the opening crawl? Yeah, like a spread page? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. So they kind of give you this idea of what happened in Secret Empire. Cool. And he's kind of gone off into America to get in touch with Steve Rogers again. And the kind of the everyman. Yeah. And, I, and that's really cool. I think it's a, a, an avenue they need to go down. And yeah, he is in this No Surrender book as well. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't know what sort of capacity is going to be in that. But I would say if you're looking for a Captain America book, like a proper Captain America book, this new one by Mark Wade get into it ASAP. I think it's three or four issues in. We're counting up towards issue number 700. Nice. We're at 697 right now, I believe. And so we're getting to, there's going to be a big issue here. And this whole, I think, first arc is going to finish off in issue number 700. Nice. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Darth Vader. The best. Oh my God. This, I tell you, if you want probably the best Star Wars, any media outside of films, it's probably this comic book. I absolutely love this. I just finished issue number 10, which finishes off the Jocasta New Arc. Nice. And I tell you, they've they've gone through kind of three-ish stories so far. You had kind of the opening sequence right after Revenge of the Sith. Then you go into a bit of the Inquisitor stuff. And then you step into this Jocasta New stuff, which kind of ties in with the Inquisitors. But what they've done and how they've just constructed this book... And writing Darth Vader the way that they do, Charles Soule is a master of his yes. craft. He absolutely is, man. And I love this book so much. I'm not caught up yet on uh, issue 10, but I think this book does such a great job of bridging the gaps of episode 3, the prequel era leading up to episode 4. Eventually, we'll get down there. Um, Lords of the Sith, all that kind of stuff. What this book does, it's all in there. It's the full package. And you mentioned it, the Inquisitors. So you get a bit of the Rebels vibe. You get the Soka book stuff. You know, you get, like I mentioned, the prequels. All those tissues are connecting here in this book. And um, we mentioned it before, you know, Charles Soule did uh, Daredevil. Yeah, which is a great run. He kills it in this book. Uh, when he came out talking about this book, he really did nail it when he said it's like a Batman year one. You really do get to see Vader struggle because we're not used to ever seeing Vader get defeated, except for maybe, you know, he, he chipped his armor with Ahsoka. Apart from that, we never really seen him beat up. We get to see all that in these runs here. And then um, I met Giuseppe on the art. It's so cool. It's so refreshing from the art that we got in the previous Vader book. Yeah. We really get to see more of this character kind of thinking almost with the images of what we're seeing right it's very stylized man i just love this book it's yeah. it's a number one recommendation for any star wars for me a hundred percent like yeah. if that's the only thing you're reading you're golden and like yes. you said with the art too and i've mentioned this time and time again but they're able to capture emotion yes. from someone behind a mask exactly which is really difficult to do but they nail it it's just the position of his body his yeah. arms where they put him in the frame of the panel all of it. And like this last issue, issue 10, you see a lot more of that. Huh. It's it's so good. And they use elements of his costume. Like sometimes his cape's all beat up, yeah. which gives you this indication that he's been kind of through a bit of a battle. And oh, I can't wait till you read this one. We're nice. not going to spoil any of it because I do not want to take away anything from anyone reading this comic book. 
and if you're not, I'll say it again and again every single week, <laughs> go pick this up. And if, if you do want to hear a bit more detail, we'll talk about it maybe after Troy reads this episode or issue number 10, cool. not episode number 10. <laughs> but uh, myself, Mark, and Rob from TSW, we do TSW Comics Month a Month. So you can we usually follow along with the Darth Vader books too. Um, so and kind of break them down in a bit more detail. So go check that out. But oh, you, you got to get into this, man. Charles Soule, he's just... He's probably the best Star Wars comic book writer that we've had. He did Obi-Wan and Anakin, I believe. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah and I like that one. he's doing the Poe Dameron run. And I think he also did the Lando. And I heard good things about that one. Lando is really good. Yeah. Another high recommend. It reframes and, and takes characters and what you would say side characters and puts them in a new con. It's really good. Just yeah. get into all those. Anything Charles Charles Soule does... Just uh, go go check it out. I, I talked to him at, he was at the Calgary Comic Entertainment Expo yeah. a few years ago, and I actually got to interview him for the podcast. I remember that, yeah. And he's done some some awesome stuff. Like he does, I think it's Letter 44, I think it's called. Is that Independent Comic? Independent Comic. Yeah. And it, it's, oh, it's... It's sci-fi, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a sci-fi, alien invasion type thing. Really good. And he's just, he's able to do something special with all characters that he captures. Like you said, Daredevil as well. Oh yeah. Uh, Everything. Like he's one of my top writers for. Give this guy a movie. (laughs) Well, and the thing with this comic book too, this Darth Vader book, it feels so cinematic. It it does, but, but, and it feels so much like we're in the world of Star Wars. He doesn't take any weird liberties of stretching out the continuity of what we have in this universe. He respects everything, but gives us so much more to it at the same time. Yeah. And he's, he's pushing the envelope here too. And, I hesitate to say this because there's still a long way for this book to go. Yeah. But it feels like it's tying in elements of The Last Jedi, of the new era of Star Wars. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm getting that vibe that they're they're nodding to some of the bigger elements that were explored in The Last Jedi with the Force. And like like kind the of, list too, right? Exactly. Yeah. The list and the balance of mm-hmm. everything, the in-between that we've seen in Rebels. We're yes. seeing it in this. We saw it in The Last Jedi. So it's this constant thread that they're pulling through all of their media and this book does a great job of of taking that and like you said tying in the original trilogy rebels era rogue one era the new trilogy everything the original mm-hmm. trilogy it, it has it's probably done the best outside of maybe lost stars yeah on tying everything together exactly and i think we really need that you yeah know, we really do in this book nails it. and and the the mentality or not the mentality but what they do with anakin and vader the struggle between the two at least in the first four or five issues is just something i've never experienced before no so good we never have really we never have no and like i've never read much of the eu stuff that's now the legends before that but seeing that struggle in here and all the way into issue number 10 here you're seeing that struggle and you're seeing this the butting heads of Emperor and Vader, right? Oh. You always assume that he's this subordinate. Yeah. At least going into the original trilogy, right? He's he's kind of kneeling to him and obeying him. And but you see that struggle. You see some of Anakin here. And yeah. his his opposition to Jocasta New, especially in these last few issues, has really shed some more light on that Anakin versus Vader. Like they're oh. still battling each other. Yeah, it, it's and see, and I love this what they're doing because you know, when you pick up eventually you'll do it, but when you get Lords of Sith. This will be so fitting with this yeah. book because you still get to pick up on some of those tissues in the beginning of that book as well. So, ah, that's got to be one of my four for this year. For then. sure, yeah, definitely. I've got Legends of Luke Skywalker on Ian's tap. Yeah, I want to do the new Thrawn novel Alliances when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'll put Lords of the Sith on there. So I'm still looking for one more. You, you doing Leia as well, or I have to do yeah, Leia. Claudia. Ha- yeah, Claudia Gray. Yeah, I have to. Like I've read, I'm about halfway through it, mm-hmm. so I have to finish it. 
So, and like with Holdo in there and Crate and yes. Claudia Gray. Like I got to read everything Claudia Gray. She kills it. Yeah, she's the best. She's the best right now, for yeah. sure. <laughs> you got Charles Soule in the comics, <laughs> Claudia Gray in the books, <laughs> and you've got just this masterful crew over at Lucasfilm yep. putting together and crafting this universe. I'm just, I'm so into everything right now. There's that little bump, right, in fandom with The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. But I think some of these elements that we're going to talk about that were reframed, the collecting, everything... And getting back into vintage, I'm just so stoked for this universe. I'm, I'm just loving it. I've really taken a step back after we did our Nerdy Resolutions episode, yeah. year in review, and looking towards 2018, and taking those really seriously, like actually reading a comic book a night, yeah. getting back to my pull list, you know, reframing, collecting a bit, shifting funds here and there, yeah. and it just all worked out so far. I've had a, like an absolute blast. Probably enjoyed Nerd more in these last three weeks than I probably have in the last three, four months. There you go. Back to basics like your boy Cap. Exactly, right? right? Yeah, Everything man. going back to basics. <laughs> Vader, Cap, awesome stuff. Vintage, awesome yeah, man. Stuff. <laughs> but collecting, you, you picked up much recently? Uh, no, just uh, just my comics and just the still yeah. book. Other than that, um, no, I already mentioned the Black Panther and the Iron yeah. Man from all new, all different. Yeah, other than that, man, I've been uh, been good for now. How yeah, laying low. I, I'm the same way. I, I've seen some of the three and three quarter inch The Last Jedi waves the obi-wan and yoda i've seen them on the pegs i've stepped back because they're still up around 10 bucks i'm gonna wait for them to drop off to around the seven dollar mark before i pull the trigger on them and the black series haven't seen anything new because dj is out right is he out there the three and three quarter inch no there's no six inch of him is there there is there is is an announced one but there's no wave that he's accompanied with okay he may end up there's got to be some lingering wave here because there's a few like dengar and And like i think rex is part of the dj one isn't he yeah you were saying that last time when we were talking about it i i haven't seen seen so i've only seen actually we have one walmart that still has like 400 black series like of the current wave of of like it's like the finn and in uh first order disguise oh yeah the Mad Driver, Maz, yeah, yeah. Leia. So they're like they're still there. There's, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like 400 there. Wow. Yeah. So I've still haven't picked up all of those. I'm waiting for the Finn to go on discount. Yeah. And, and uh, who's the other one I'm waiting for? Or the Poe. The Poe. You know, I feel like there's two kinds of Poe's up there because I've seen one with like a bad face, and I've seen one with like you know looks like um, Oscar Isaac. They may have yeah. gone back and repainted some of those. They, I don't they, know. They might second have. releases. Yeah. So, you know, off the production line, the first run's like, ooh, yeah, maybe we need to go back and <laughs> do something here. No, so yeah. hopefully collecting picks up a little bit here in the next few weeks, but I'm also waiting for the Disney Elite series to drop off in price. There you go. So I'm waiting for them to cut in half as, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see some solo Elite series coming in the next few months. And so I have to say, and we talked about this before too, with those toy lines overlapping, I'm expecting to see quite a few deeper discounts earlier on than we would normally expect That's the true. same way we saw a lot of the stuff from rogue one go on discount as they're trying to shove it out of the door before the last jedi came in and now we're on top of each other here and we're also going to have in the spring we're going to have that new vintage collection coming out as well that's right so the the shelves are going to be jam fold full of star wars merchandise which is good for us because i think that could lead to deeper discounts a lot earlier on in kind of the, the the lifespan of these individual figures. Well, speaking of that, um, are we done then? Once Solo comes out, are we pretty much done with the Last Jedi stuff? Because I feel like we're missing like a Luke, like the Luke with the blue lightsaber. Yes, you know, a... the, the Force vision or projection. Yes, like, there has to be a six-inch Black Series coming out. Like, like and there's no no one. Phasma in that line. Yeah, there's no Phasma with the spear. No, you right? could do another uh, Praetorian Guards or Praetorian Guard. You could yeah. do a couple different variations of those. You. 
there's there's not even a uh, Force Order trooper. There's the Executioner. Right. A Holdo. We could even get a Holdo. Oh, yeah, there should. There's quite a few characters in there that they really haven't done. They haven't done anything unique, maybe from Canto Bite. I know a lot of people weren't in favor of that. Yeah. But there seems to be, you're right, there's a, there's a missing wave almost, it feels like, mm-hmm. for The Last Jedi of characters. And they may take this opportunity the same way that they've pumped out with the other Black series, going back and revisiting the original trilogy and prequels, where they have you know an odd figure from The Last Jedi that right. drops in a subsequent Solo wave, or they're kind of mixed up a bit. Because I don't know if Solo's going to have that same presence, because we talked about the release of Solo action figures, and you're just getting the Lando, Han, and this uh, range trooper. Right. It's only three new figures. And they're going to be coming, I think Tarkin's in there as well on that wave and a few others. So you may see them periodically drop out maybe as exclusives or something different. But it's interesting, you're right. Like we've gotten two solid waves Mm -hmm. and there's a few lingering figures out there that we're aware of, but they're really no Chewbacca, yeah, no R2, nothing like yeah. that, right? Yeah, it's weird. So, man, you know, it's it's one of those things. We've we've gotten an R2 in the Black series before, but I don't even think we got an R2 for the Force Awakens. No, no, we didn't. So, yeah, and I think um, Rose is out there too. I saw her. There is Rose. I've seen her. I yeah. I passed on Rose. Did you? Yeah, I didn't. I haven't grabbed the. I don't even know what wave that's part of. If I'm being honest with you. I, I I seem to seen it when uh, the Leia one dropped, so I don't know if it's part of the wave two. Yeah, if there's maybe maybe there's a third wave with quite a few repacks. Let's yeah. go back and check that out. Yeah. But yeah, I did see the the rose out there as well, and you see the rose in the Elite series too. So, mm-hmm. um, one thing I want to throw out there actually is I, I need I need some opinions. Whether it's you guys, the listeners, or just you, Troy, whatever. Should I open the diecast Elite series? Absolutely. Like, you, you think so? Absolutely. I'm sitting right beside these bad boys right now. And, you know, the one thing in packaging that Luke right now looks incredible, but not the best for articulation, but these guys look great. They're statues, you know, they're they're posable statues as opposed to figures. And um, I think it is, man, especially for the price point, you could even double up on some of these things if you wanted to. That's what I've done. I got Kylo out of box. I've got a Death Trooper and a K2. Mm -hmm. And I love them out of the box. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to pull these out. Yeah. I... (laughs) I, I it kind of hurts my insides to think of it that way, but I think I'm actually gonna do it. I'm gonna I, pull the trigger. I think so, and you know our biggest complaints have always been with the uh, the face sculpts of these figures. But yeah. like I mentioned, the Mark Hamill Luke right now, old man Luke, that's probably the best face sculpt I've seen out of all these other characters. So um, I think on that note, it's worth opening up. You know, place this guy with the Kylo Ren. Um, man, they look good. Did you ever manage to pick up the Stormtrooper Luke and Han deluxe set there? No, I didn't pick them. I passed on it because it was the face sculpts again. Yeah, those ones were pretty bad. Yeah, I didn't like how they looked. Yeah. And like like all the ones I have out and open are masked characters or armored characters or droids. And so like I'm looking at like this Praetorian Guard and I think it would just display so well with the red pop. Oh yeah, but I mean, if you could throw down that guard or a couple of those guards with the um, the Kylo Ren, yeah, and, and the, I guess uh, Snoke the too, and the Snoke, oh. create that battle scene. Oh my god, okay, I'm right? doing that. Like, I have to do that. That'd be nuts. That's going up. That'd I've got the room for it now. And you can even cross swipe the uh, lightsabers. Give uh, Ray the red one because she used it for a second. <gasps> give Kylo the blue. Oh All right. man, we're doing that. Do it up. It's happening. Okay, <laughs> that's going down. Once we go on discount. I'm going to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, Sick. So excited. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get to the little bit of news that we got to talk about this week before we jump into a bit more Avengers 4 talk and Star Wars The Last Jedi talk. 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a movie that we're all anticipating coming off the back end of Volume 2, going into this new cosmic MCU that's been rumored with James Gunn and Kevin Feige kind of helming this and pushing this to the forefront of a Marvel Phase 4. But James Gunn, he's very active on social media. He was discussing with different people via Facebook or Twitter, and he did come out and confirm that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be hitting theaters in 2020. So it's just a couple years away. That's one year out from Avengers number four, which hits in May of 2019. So what are your thoughts on waiting another couple years for the Guardians? We're going to get a bit of them in Infinity War, possibly in Avengers 4. So we're going to have a continuum of Guardians, it seems, for at least the next four years. Totally hyped. Totally hyped. If you asked me this about a year ago or so, I, I wouldn't care that much. But I, I really got hooked after, after uh, Volume 2. Yeah. I loved Volume 2 for what it did. I thought the humor worked for me. I know a lot of people thought it was a little bit too funny. But for me, it worked big time. And then especially now that we, well, I say we like I'm part of Disney. But now that Disney made that deal with Fox, it's pretty much gone through. Um, God knows what kind of characters we can see pop up in volume three we could see galactus we could see silver surfer we could see the squirrels i guess we could already could see the squirrels but there's so much opportunity there now and um man i'm totally psyched for this film this film yeah i can't wait to now james gunn did say one thing about the fox deal he says it doesn't change his script oh so what that could mean though is either they had the the rights to use the intellectual property of those Marvel characters that he wanted to insert, yeah. or they're going to end up as cameos or background characters. They're not going to right. f- affect kind of the main narrative, which makes sense. You don't yeah. really need those characters, maybe like a Galactus or whatever, to factor into volume three in itself. You need mm-hmm. to tease those elements for future Avengers films because we're right. still going to get those big villains, right? For sure. And that's something I really didn't even contextualize is how much this could change that cosmic universe. Now that you brought this up about Fox, mm-hmm. like they have everything back now. Everything's there, yeah. Like, wow, I never, yeah. I never really even, I was so focused on having the scrolls and Dr. Doom right. in this universe. I completely skated over the fact oh. that the cosmic universe just got enormous. It's a big sandbox now. It's huge. I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that. It's um, it's unreal. But you know, even going before the Fox still, I would love to see James Gunn go back and give us like the original Guardians with Yondu because Yondu was my favorite yeah. in this franchise. And I'd love to see him. I, I have a feeling we'll see him back in the 90s take on Captain Marvel. Yeah. It makes sense if he kind of popped up there. Him or um, the villain that didn't really do the greatest job, Ronan. Ronan, yeah. He the Kree. Maybe, yeah, oh, like, yeah. You can maybe see them pop up. So any of those two characters would work for me. Going into that, I, I think what would really benefit Marvel, the MCU right now, is that they've they've explored and seeded so many different things that they need to start doing like these little shorts. Yes, like 20, bring them back. Like what about like a twenty minute short, like even extending those one shots on the original Guardians team. Like I don't know if I want a whole movie with Stallone and those guys, but I could do a twenty minute short. Oh, I'd just love exploring it. them a bit more, going back in time, bringing Yondu. That'd like, be great. That, that'd be so cool. Because honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of that film is just to see the chemistry between uh, Stallone and Yondu. Like, yeah. those guys shared not much screen time, but you feel like there's so much history oh, between yeah. the two of those characters. I'd love to see them hashed out even more so on the screen. Yeah, man. Michael Rooker really carried that. Oh, he's so good. Uh-huh. So good in that film. Yeah, so yeah. it's exciting. 2020, we don't got far. We get to see him again this year. Yeah. Drax and crew on or in Infinity War. Yep. Oh, big things. Maybe big Thor things. will be part of the team. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I can't Maybe. wait for that interaction. Yeah. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sliding over to the Fox universe, as they transition over to Disney, I'm not sure exactly when all the rights officially transfer and when the money shakes or changes hands, mm-hmm. but we're already seeing what could be the influence of 
Disney, maybe, maybe not, because some of the moves here don't really make sense. But Fox are moving around some of their X-Men films or X-Men franchise films here in 2018 and some into 2019. So kicking off first is New Mutants. This was set to debut on April 13th. So just a couple weeks before, or a month or two before Deadpool. Now that's been pushed all the way to February 22nd, 2019. So just under a year it was pushed, which is a huge push. Like this movie, it doesn't really have huge implications for the universe itself. It's this real horror take. Big time. And it's again, skewing into a different genre for comic book movie film. And I have no idea why they've pushed this 10 months. It doesn't seem like a film that needs that much retooling. Like it, it seemed like a fairly straightforward horror film. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing here. Bad tested. It, it's been oh, tested. Oh, was that, was that it's bad testing? It's been tested and it didn't uh, didn't perform very well. Oh, wow. So they're going right back to the drawing board. But I'm like, well, how, how bad was this then? Or maybe it's just not the vision they expected. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of worries me. I, I wasn't really big on this film in the first no, place. me neither. <laughs> um, the only character that stood out to me was Magic. I, I like Magic in the comics. But um, yeah, I'm pretty worried for this franchise, for this film. If this, It's interesting because I don't even know if this would get off the ground. Like if it's stuck back in Disney at this point right. or under the Marvel Studios banner. I don't know if they're just going to finish out some of these, see what money they can pull from them, and just kind of end it. Well, yeah, it all depends what they want to do with these mutants. Because, I mean, after, where is it? After the next X-Men film? Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, that's... that's pretty much it. So from there on in, Disney can do whatever they want with these these characters. So if they already have an idea where they want to put these mutants, what would be the point of pushing out new mutants at that time when you have two different sets of mutants going confusing. on? Confusing. Yeah, it would be pretty confusing. You might as well just cut your losses with whatever it is. Obviously, yeah. they're going back to the drawing board anyways. So Yeah, exactly. And yeah. another movie that they moved around here a little bit is Deadpool 2. So when we talked about movies in 2018, a couple episodes ago, we made note that May, the end of May through June was an incredibly backlogged month, more so than July or August or anything. And you're coming off the back end of May from Infinity War and Solo, A Star Wars Story. So two of the biggest, if not two of the biggest films of the year outside of one of the Disney adaptations, more than likely. But Deadpool 2 has actually shifted from a June 1st release, which would have put it, I believe, the week after Solo, to May 18th, which now sits at the week before Han Solo. So we're going to have Infinity War on May 4th, then a break month, or break week, sorry, and then Deadpool 2, and then Star Wars, or Solo, a Star Wars story. So you're having three of what could be the biggest films of the year, all within the same month. Wow. I don't know. I guess they're trying to get a little bit of the audience prior to Solo. Yeah. But Deadpool's a bit of an enigma because it sits and it tries to pull on a completely different audience than you would from a Star Wars film, typically, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Your adult audience, yeah, is going to be at Deadpool. Yeah. But I think they'll also be at Solo. So I'm not sure what they're trying to do here. If if you look at it as as from a pure financial perspective, Infinity War, Deadpool, and Solo. If you've got, say, the ability to see two movies a month, right? You can only escape to see two movies or your finances don't allow... What two movies in that month are you going to choose to see? Not Deadpool. I'm, I'm seeing Solo. Oh, yeah, me too. I've seen Infinity. But what's the common moviegoer going to see? I would still think the common moviegoer, out of the two, out of the three, what yeah. are you going to pick? If they could pick two. 
I think they're still going to pick those. I yeah. think so. I mean, if, obviously, Infinity Wars is number one. Oh, yeah. And then you got a Star Wars film, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about this film, but they've kind of had a rocky start. You know, they had, um, unfortunately, one of their stunt casts uh, yeah. passed away, which died a, a couple months back there. Um, and then there's these allegations now with TJ Miller. Yeah. You know, so I wonder if they just want to push it out there. The movie's done. If they just want to get out there before anything else kind of happens or anything else stirs. I don't know. Or else, I don't really know why you would move this film. Obviously, they're confident in the project, though, itself. Yeah, it's done. It's, it's done. But why wouldn't you move it to, like, August? Like, there's nothing going on at all. I know that's a ways away. Yeah. You start to bring some uncertainty towards the film. Lots of vacation time goes on in August, though, too. Well, no, but Guardians August, 1 it, it came well. out yeah, in it did August, awesome right? In August, right? Like a yeah. no-name property, and it did yeah. really well. Yeah, and so Deadpool, you're playing off the fact that everyone loved... The, the first, first one. one yeah and it just seems that may i don't know if you want to be this close like do in you between. want to be the movie in between infinity war yeah. and solo i don't no. think so you're gonna be forgotten yeah oh for sure right you'll get you a might week. get skipped you yeah you yeah. get a week in there and you you'll get that sure you'll get that 18 to 25 male audience yeah but you're not going to capture much more than you would the week after yeah. like maybe you don't want to be in the line of sight of solo and so moving it, like, what are your better chances? Two weeks after Infinity War or a week after Solo? Right. You kind of damned if you, damned if you don't. That's true. They really got to pick up their, uh, their marketing, too, again, though, because they had such an incredible marketing it's, team going on last time. This time it's been pretty dead. They moved that time spot. They really got to amp it up here. It's it's almost been non-existent. Yeah. Like, I can honestly say that there's that Bob Ross thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few images, a, a cable, but we haven't had, like, a proper... Deadpool trailer. No, I mean last last time we had like the Burton Reynolds stuff. We had yeah. the um, the Valentine's Day stuff going yeah. on. The billboards, like all that guerrilla kind of marketing. Stuff. Yeah, Tesla uh, cancer. I think yeah. they're even you know touching on with Deadpool. So um, yeah, it's it's not what it is. It's not what it was from last time. No, and that's what made the movie special, right? Yeah. Is that you're going into something that felt like they literally yanked it off of a comic book panel, right? Yeah, and the, the marketing here, you're just not feeling it. I don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing if they're just. If they pulled back from that and said, okay, we, we've established the character. Right. But that was almost part of the fun was that you've had all this built into this character right. through all these crazy marketing campaigns and we haven't gotten anything. You expect at least a bit of replication there because of how successful it was. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm just missing some of it or if it's just purely not there, but you look at what they're doing for Infinity War already. Yeah. Like, I, I know we haven't seen anything from Soli yet either, so... Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I don't know what's... Like, the marketing just hasn't picked up at this point. I don't know if there's a special time frame that's a couple months before, yeah, if they're waiting Bowl. for Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, which in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. which which maybe where we're getting another Infinity War trailer. Yeah. But to me, you want to take the, the opportunity. It's this lull period, too. This yeah. is when you want to be putting things out before Black Panther hits, before Solo Trailer hits, before they do any more ramping up for Infinity War. Let's get some Deadpool stuff out there. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. I didn't take marketing in school, so I really have no <laughs> idea. I'm just sitting on here <laughs> from the cheap seats, but I guess that's our two cents on yeah. the movement of all these X-Men films. And Gambit also got pushed from May February 14th, 2019. Yeah, to, they just need to stop at this yeah, film. I mean, just, it's the third time they've lost the director. Yeah. And Channing Tatum's uh, producing it still, yeah. I believe. And I I think he just fits better in, uh, in an ensemble. Like, nobody wants to see a standalone gambit. No. It just doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. So, and that's, that's all we're going to give time yeah. <laughs> on that one. All right, man. Well, Avengers number four. This is a film yet to be titled... 
We haven't even seen Infinity War yet. We've got three movies, four movies, including Black Panther, until we get to this film. But we're seeing a lot of set photos. They've officially wrapped production on it, principal photography. And then now you're seeing all these guys move into an end production on Avengers 4. There's a real changing of the guard going on here because recently in the news, you've seen the likes of Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Downey. They're all putting things out basically saying goodbye almost to the MCU, goodbye to these characters, because contractually, their obligations have been fulfilled. Do you feel a little bit of angst going into Infinity War and then a year later, Avengers number four, now knowing that all these guys have fulfilled their contracts and we may not see them in the near future? Well... I think Chris Hemsworth, actually, I think he came out recently. He wants to continue yeah. with Thor, so I think he'll be safe. Um, I don't know about these other two guys, though. I, I, I still, I'm still, i still a believer of uh, Tony Stark kind of passing somehow, and he comes in much like how he was in uh, Secret Empire. I yeah. love the idea that he's kind of like the new Jarvis. Maybe bring in Ruby Williams. That I mean, that could be kind of cool. Uh, what bums me the most, though, is Steve Rogers. Like, I, <sighs> like, you know, Chris Evans is the man. And uh, I, I want that guy to play Cap forever. And I think he will. You know, it'd be cool if we do get a break from these characters and they all make the return and you get, boom, Cap 4 eventually. Yeah. Or if not, it's uh, Sebastian Stan or Anthony Mackie, you know, carrying on the mantle. So, um, yeah, I don't, I just don't know what's going to happen. Because remember, for the longest time, everybody always thought um, Robert Downey Jr. was done. Yeah. For the longest time. And then he re-signed and he's been coming back in every Avengers film and even in the Spider-Man Homecoming uh, franchise. So... I don't know. Some of these guys, they try and make it outside of like the Marvel world, even though Robert Downey Jr. has been acting for a very long time, but then they kind of find their way back. You yeah. know, none of these guys have really landed anything huge outside of this universe. Um, they've all tried, and nothing's really stuck. I think Chris Hemsworth's best film was uh, Hush. Not Hush, Rush. Rush, yeah. You know, that was pretty cool. Robert Downey Jr. hasn't really landed anything much. Chris Evans wants to do more of the directing, though, I believe, so kind of just have to wait and see. But the cool thing is, too, is that this world is so good that Without these three, yeah, it's kind of sad, but we have Doctor Strange, we have the Guardians, we got Spider-Man, we got Black Panther, Black Panther you know yeah. what I mean? And we got even more now with the X-Men characters, like, we're safe, we're yeah. good. We're definitely safe. It, <laughs> it gives me a, it, it makes me feel like I'm going to be, there's a part of me going to be missing if there's not a chance for Downey or Hemsworth or Evans to come back and fill these roles. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing in some of these set photos and the implications of Infinity War could be big deaths of characters. There needs to be stakes in these films for them to matter. Yeah. So part of me thinks that, yeah, guys like Hemsworth, I could see coming back. Like him and Taika Waititi have already started to talk about how much fun they had on Avengers 3 and how the character really changed and breathed new life into that character which gave i think hemsworth a new life on that character he's not doing the same old shtick yeah it's it's something new it's something fresh something that he can really sink his teeth into and maybe even be part of the creative process a bit more because him and taika seem to have a good rapport on how to develop and how to push this character and feige seems relatively open to that from what we saw in ragnarok and probably what we're going to see in infinity war yes but just hearing these guys of rap production on their final contractually obligated film just makes me ah just it's like a piece it's just like it's real oh i don't want this to ever end like i love all of it i want to see these movies these guys all of the time but i agree with you i think coming back in small roles like downey did in homecoming is very plausible because it takes up what a couple weeks of their year they get paid 10 million bucks 
you know, it's they can CGI on some muscles if Hemsworth or Evans don't really want to be in that workout phase for yeah. six months of the year. And I think that's a big thing of it, right? Oh, yeah. Is that it's so much preparation. It's less about the time doing the film and more about the physical preparation for some of these. Like, for sure. Like Hemsworth is probably going to be in the gym for six months before getting and doing one of his you know, contractually obligated shirtless scenes. Yeah, because he's got a huge, <laughs> huge. Massive human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, let's talk a little bit about Avengers 4. Now, we know everything's wrapped on this, and there's been recently a few leaks of some set photos that have really brought some interest to this film and as to what it could be. So we still haven't seen Infinity War. We have no idea what's going to happen there. But there seems to be, at least from this end, there seems to be a bit of understanding that I think if Thanos is going to win. Yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Yes. Empire ending. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like death of heroes, the world is going to be either under control of Thanos. He's likely going to have the gauntlet. We're not going to see the conclusion of that story until Avengers 4. Now that leads into some of the interesting things that we're seeing in the photos. Now, spoilers here for Avengers 4. We're going to talk a little bit about the set photos that were leaked and speculate on what they could mean. So if you're not interested in hearing any of that right now skip ahead i'll put a timestamp in for when we start talking about the last jedi a bit more but skip ahead to that but here's your fair warning spoilers for avengers for pure speculation so some of the things that, that we have seen we've seen downey running around sometimes with an arc reactor in his chest sometimes not he's wearing a shield jumper of some sort so i don't know what exactly that means but the biggest thing here one of the bigger things here is Evans. He's wearing the Avengers 2012 uniform in the set photos. Now he's alongside Downey, got Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo, and Paul Rudd's Ant-Man all standing together in what appears to be the Battle of New York. Now it's an interesting combination of people, being that Paul Rudd's Ant-Man wasn't established until well after the Battle of New York. Now a couple of the other things that have been picked out here, and when you go and look at some of the set photos, you do see what appear to be these orange CGI dots on all of their costumes. And then they're all wearing these weird hand devices around their wrists. So some of the speculation, and some of it I agree with actually, is that Avengers 4 could actually be more of a time travel film than anything else. Going back and maybe trying to rewrite some of the timeline to go back and fix or at least defeat Thanos instead of defeating him head on. What are your first, your high level thoughts on the MCU going into more of a time travel film and messing around with the timeline a la Days of Future Past? Okay, so that would kind of make sense. So like the Chris Evans that we see there would be the original Cap, but then Ant-Man and let's say Robert Downey Jr. would be coming in from another timeline because obviously Robert Downey Jr. wasn't in the S.H.I.E.L.D. costume yeah. and Ant-Man wasn't there so you'd have to think they're from the future interfering with the 2012 events. That'd be kind of cool actually. I kind of like that. Or even if it went like the um, alternate world kind of like the end of um, the Onslaught era when Onslaught won and he killed I think he killed Cap and he killed Iron Man but then it became Heroes Reborn and they were yeah. like living in a pocket universe and this would be like a different take in this world. That could be kind of cool. You get to see characters do different things uh, with characters that we know. So I don't know, man. I'm excited to see what they're going to do here. Um, I never liked that cap suit. 
You know, I never. <laughs> he doesn't wear that. You notice he doesn't have the he helmet. Doesn't have on, the helmet on though, which is the worst part about it. Looks yeah. like he's wearing a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> and we have seen before. I think also leaked stuff of uh, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, looking exactly like the Loki from the 2012. Yeah, it looked era. like I think the scene when they take him back to Asgard with the Tesseract. Yeah, I think they refilmed that. Right. For some reason. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of different avenues we could go with this film. Mm-hmm. I think and. There's two films that happened in between Infinity War and Avengers 4 that may matter for some of these theories, and that's Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Right. Now, they're both throwback films, so they're happening out of sequence as far as the timeline goes. They're going back and happening right after Civil War, and one, Captain Marvel's all going back to the 90s. Right. So we'll get to those in a second here, but just to your point about who these individual characters could be. Right. Because the impression, my first impression was, well, maybe Paul Rudd's come back and is talking directly to... Tony and Cap and all that, like back to the Battle of New York. This right. is what you have to do: get the Tesseract type thing, right? Right, because that's when we first introduced to Thanos, anyways. At the end of that, exactly, film. right. Yeah. And so maybe it's something about going back and getting the Tesseract from Loki, or trying to sidetrack that. But then I was thinking about it, like, is it might be a mixture of Downey and Rudd going back and meeting up with Hulk and Cap from the Battle of New York, something right. weird like that. But they all have these weird wrist things on All of them do. Yeah, and they okay. all have the orange dots on them. So I don't know what the orange dots could mean. It's like in a circle around Cap's star on his chest. Hmm. So it's it's kind of weird. I don't know if that's going to be some sort of phasing thing that they're doing. But then I was thinking, like, why would Tony Stark have a shield outfit on? Like, could they be pulling people from different timelines Time different realms like was tony stark promoted to director of shield sometime? In the comics, yeah like yeah. I, I don't know like exactly yeah. happened in the comics so it's going to be interesting because it could get rather confusing right because there seems to be th- two like when you look at it from kind of a high level you can say okay there's a different timeline tony stark mm-hmm. there's avengers captain america and there's paul rudd from the future Right. So you have like three things melding together there, three almost opposing ideas as to what this could be right. as far as time travel or alternate dimensions. So I, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on exactly what these set photos mean. Like right. clearly we've gone back to 2012 with Cap. Yes. But it's a different Tony and it's Paul Rudd and you can't really tell That's what Hulk. Hulk is. Yeah. So I, I really don't know. Yeah. But when you look at now the two movies that are in between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4, First one being Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, that comes out July 6, 2018. So, a couple months after Infinity War. Now, this movie doesn't happen after Infinity War. This is going back and happening after Civil War. Oh, okay. So, it's going to have a Paul Rudd that's been broken out by Captain America. And he's going to be teaming up with the Wasp, Hope Van Dyne, and going into the Quantum Realm, I believe, to try to save the Wasp. The original one. Right. Exactly. The original Wasp with Hank Pym. Hopefully, he's still in the film. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe <laughs> not. Don't know. But... <laughs> So what this movie is said to introduce in a bit more detail is this idea of the quantum realm. Now, we saw this in the original Ant-Man where it's explained in a bit more detail by Hank Pym. Now, one of the quotes here I got is, it's about the regulator when he's going into the quantum realm and he shrinks way down, right? So if the regulator is compromised, you'll go subatomic. And Paul Rudd says, what does that mean? It means you would enter the quantum realm, a reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant and you shrink for all eternity. Hmm. So it's this idea, basically in the microverse, is what the quantum realm is. And so it's this idea that you can, without the time gem, you can travel to different times and different universes and pull this all together. So you have a way to leap through things. So one of the things I'm thinking here is that 
Emmett and the Wasp is going to introduce the concept of this time travel or temporal travel of some sort to an audience. So as you get to Avengers 4, you already have an understanding as to how all the mechanics work. Right. So you spend a lot of time in Ant-Man and the Wasp explaining what's going on in Avengers 4. Because it seemed like a weird thing to put Ant-Man and the Wasp in between these two movies. Right. Especially having it as more of a, a follow-up to Civil War rather than a follow-up to Avengers Infinity War. Right. Yeah, okay, that's the one way to think about because I, I was thinking of the um, the time gem, but I guess obviously if we get whatever we get in um, uh, Avengers 4, it's probably because Thanos won, so therefore you'd still have the gauntlet. Yeah. So you'd have to use this quantum verse. Yeah. Or was it the quantum... Quantum realm. Quantum realm, right. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other quotes that were interesting, so just this past November, Avengers Lily, which play, who plays Hope Van Dyne, she's going to be in Avengers Infinity War as well. And probably Avengers 4. But she's going to play a big part in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So she said Ant-Man and the Wasp film could have an effect on future MCU films. And that characters are trying to understand how to safely enter the quantum realm and return back from it. So it seems like they're going to establish in this film the ability for Ant-Man, who is present in these set photos. Mm -hmm. The ability to go into the quantum realm, go somewhere else, and come back safely. Right. So I like the idea that they're setting this up. And now when you look at captain marvel as well which is another film that comes out just before actually avengers 4 on march 8th 2019 we get avengers 4 the first week of may of 2019 so this again setting in the 90s and it's going to also deal with elements of the quantum realm so we know captain marvel she comes to the cosmic realm carol danvers origin is going to be told in that film now one of the things that got me thinking here i'm all excited about the scrolls being in this oh yeah but the absence of Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel is going to be a big question mark going into Avengers 4. What if she's trapped in the quantum realm? That would make sense because this whole time, like, where could she be? Especially yeah. because Captain Marvel could be one of the most powerful people in this world. What makes sense for her to be hiding out the whole time if it wasn't against her own will, right? Yeah, and like yeah. you think about the alien invasion, the T'Chari, everything that's gone on. Yes. Where has Captain Marvel been? Like, why isn't Nick Fury recruited her first right. when he's putting together the Avengers. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So it has to be something at the end of Captain Marvel that puts her in a position to be introduced, I think, in Avengers 4. I'm almost convinced we're not going to see her in Infinity War. Not at all, eh? No, at this point. Maybe some sort of cameo right. at the end, like a, the stinger. Post-credit? Or... Post-credit, like yeah. she's in the... like Fury shows up and says, we need to do this to Ant-Man. We have to go to the Quantum Realm because... I think Carol Danvers is in there. So she would be treated essentially like Steve Rogers on ice. Yes. And then brought back into a, the most crucial time they need her. Exactly. Like, That'd be pretty cool. We had to f- someone with cosmic powers to yeah. fight Thanos, to yeah. bring her up and say, we need you. So it could be uh, spending big a, t- a bit of time with maybe the four of them jumping, trying to find Carol Danvers, jumping to try to skew the timeline a bit, to do something with the Infinity Stones. But it's, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. And yeah. these two films, this is the first time we're going to have two films in between two other films that don't actually fully build, as far as the sequential timeline, into that subsequent film. So the films in between Infinity War and Avengers 4 are going to build into it, but not in a timeline purpose. And, and, and Spider-Man's after 4 then, isn't it? Yeah. Like, okay, so Spider-Man's after the whole Avengers wraps yeah, up. Yeah, I'm assuming that's like July of 2019 oh, okay. or something like okay. that. Cool. So yeah, that would be like the first movie out of the gate. Right. So there's, right. there's a lot of interesting things here. And there's a few other small things that may point towards Infinity War ending on a really down note and them kind of going underground to figure out how to travel within the quantum realm. Now, Jeremy Renner 
he recently wrapped on Avengers 4, and we've seen that he has a wildly different look than we've seen him have in the past. And there's been speculation thrown out there about him taking on the Ronin persona. And that got me thinking, like we, we think about the most recent Secret Empire, yeah. where you have everyone going underground after not so much the apocalypse, but something big has happened. I, I'm imagining this as Thanos throwing the world into complete chaos. We're getting this apocalyptic ending yes. in Infinity War. And then Avengers 4 starts 10 years in the future or something like Ooh. that. Five years in the cool. future, where essentially it's been an underground Avengers battling Thanos' forces for years. And they're as they're trying to come up with how to defeat Thanos... And this is what they're doing. They're working this in the background, this quantum realm stuff. You got Tony and all of them working kind of in the background yeah. here, you know, after the death of all these heroes in uh, Infinity War. And we're really seeing kind of like almost like a Days of Future Past vibe too. Right. Like, well, this, Age of Ultron even got these odd team-ups of characters. Yeah, eh? yeah. yeah exactly. Like cool. the comic book. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking like post-apocalyptic and then you have them now jumping all around the MCU timeline, visiting different eras, maybe trying to collect the stones in a different way or trying to figure something out. Like there's so much they could do here yeah. with this this type of time travel or temporal travel. I think it's a really cool idea. You know, it is a really cool idea. And you know, when you bring up something like this, I know the timing it, it, it probably won't work, but if they you know they did with Spider-Man, but by doing this, you could maybe introduce the X-Men somehow now. You could kind of sprinkle them in. If if the timelines have all been mixed up and the big question is, is where are the mutants? Where are the mutants? You could now maybe sprinkle them in once everything's kind of been corrected. You know, it's kind of like what DC wants to do with uh, with the, uh, not Rebirth, with uh, the Flash Flashpoint. Point, yeah. right? You could kind of do this soft reboot in your world. Uh, Marvel's kind of earned it a lot more so with the amount of films they have. But I guess it would be pretty tough still to sprinkle in the X-Men characters because there's a lot of characters to do but you could kind of get a clean slate now that yeah these guys have been here the whole time after everything's been kind of course corrected yeah now the one thing the one sticking point about time travel is what it does to your timeline yes and we spent a lot of time talking about this in the X-Men universe now do you think that the MCU could successfully handle splaying off timelines changing the timeline up in the past while also not making the last 15 movies we watched completely irrelevant like you think if they go back to the original Avengers, you, you run the risk of wiping out Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok. You know right. what I mean? Like these these huge epic movies that we absolutely love. I don't want to see them removed from the timeline. I need it to be some sort of continuity or some continuum across this timeline that doesn't skew everything off to the point where we're in this X-Men universe. You've got this line of films like X2 that doesn't really matter anymore for that timeline. They splayed off somewhere else. You've got this whole new timeline. I don't want those things to change. Right. I like the idea of them bouncing around, but also taking care to not make what they've built just a complete fabrication. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I wonder if you could even go, so on that note, to, to protect everything, what they've established, is you could kind of treat it like how um, in the comics when they introduced Sentry, yeah. they kind of brought him back where it's like Sentry's been here the whole time. I think it's like Reed Richards or somebody kind of like mind wiped everybody. Yeah. So he's always been established. You could kind of do something similar to that. Like these X-Men characters have always been there. It doesn't interfere with anything, but now everybody just remembers Yeah. kind of, but I don't know, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of writing. Yeah. Not just to introduce the X-Men. And that's, yeah, like, what exactly. are, like what are your thoughts on them messing with the timeline and screwing up films that we like hold near and dear to us? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I see. I, I guess it depends on what they're trying to do. You like, would I mean? you, like, if they went back to Avengers 1 yeah, and they skewed something for Steve Rogers, 
Winter Soldier never happens. Right. Like it's the butterfly effect, basically. Exactly. And then yeah. subsequent Civil War never happens. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they run the risk of stepping all over this continuity that they've built. Yeah. I don't want to see that happen no. because of time travel. Like, that's yeah. a real risk. And I know Joe and Anthony Russo. I don't know. But I <laughs> assume that they're going to take great care with this. Because they constructed yeah. Winter Soldier, they Civil War. They're yeah. doing a lot of these films. So yeah. they, they have the commitment to this narrative, to the story that they're telling. So hopefully they don't walk all over it. Yeah. <laughs> to just do something different in the mcu right yeah no i hope not i mean i i guess the thing is we'd always have those movies anyways but at the same time you want that legacy to stay there mm. right with these characters well and that's the thing with the mcu right yeah. like they'll always be there of course yeah but i want them to all still matter yes that there be a point to it all right like we're spending all this time going through the retrospective and i i want to see that they've built 22 films together and that it all matters. Right? Yes. I don't want the last film of this 22 film buildup to be the one that wipes out the previous 22 just so they can start over again. Exactly. Definitely not. Like, I, I don't want them to be like, oh, Evans and Hemsworth, they're all gone. Yeah. So we're going to skip play with the timeline and now have new Thor and new right. Cap. Of course, correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely not. Like, it, it needs to end and cap off this, but also preserve it. Yeah. Just kind of close the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So, but lots of great things to, to talk about For with this. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I just I have so much going on in my head with the different time travel stories we've seen in the comic books. Like I've got this old man Logan kind of Hawkeye thing in my yeah. head right now, and we've got old man Hawkeye coming up here soon in the right. comic books twelve issue run. So there's so much they could do there, but I just I really really I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on what it could be. I know because I, I just I know it's gonna be great. I know I have the utmost confidence in all. Oh, but I they just, never fail, man. No, Not they never really. fail. Yeah. Infinity War. Not too long away. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be great. But just as we as we wrap this up, our last topic for this evening is going to be revisiting the last Jedi a bit and a few of the elements here that have got some particular attention from fandom, from everyone really. And Ryan Johnson, he's been kind of doing some rounds. He's been talking about the last Jedi, some of these elements that he's put in. That is why he put them in, explaining them in a bit more detail almost recontextualizing his thought process for fandoms so that they can understand where he's coming from. And now, it seems like this isn't completely normal for him to go on to. It was, I think it was Empire Magazine. Yep. They had a podcast and they sat him down and then they had an article that was written on to Empire Online that they posted that had kind of the 10 secrets that were revealed within the conversation with Ryan Johnson. So what we're going to do here, we're not going to run through every single question in here or any revelation here. We just picked out a couple of them to talk about. So the first one we're going to talk about here is Luke's death had to resonate. So this is, I'm not going to read this all because this is a lot of reading and right. I don't really want to get into this. But <laughs> essentially what he's saying here is that the end of the movie, we had to see him embrace the part of the past that the present needs. So they had to have Luke Skywalker die in a way that mattered for the franchise. He essentially gave himself up to preserve the, the rebellion, the resistance. Now, when we look back on this, having some time to have sat on this, do you have any issues or lingering issues with Luke Skywalker dying the way that he did, kind of giving himself almost to the force? Um, they, they, they did it in a cool way. It, it wasn't bad. I, I still think it's unnecessary. 
Um, yeah. I don't think you really need to kill Luke Skywalker, Luke's, kill Luke Skywalker off. You didn't have to do the whole like Batman Rises effect, you know, like he's yeah. the symbol. But um, how they did it was very poetic. You know, how he, he dies. We see the twin sons. Exactly. You could even say it represents Luke and Anakin. They both come from the same place. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, his, his reasoning wasn't wasn't bad, but I'm still a little opposed to it. I feel like they could have handled it a little differently. Yeah. yeah. And now, and one of the cool, cool things that Ryan actually talks about in here is, and I'm going to read another one of his quotes. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about the significance of Luke Skywalker being in exile, removing himself from the battle, removing the Jedi from the battle. And one of the quotes he had here is uh, this notion that seems that this hero worship of him and of the Jedi was detrimental to the galaxy. So that's why he's saying that the Jedi have to end, that the universe has to put its faith in a false god of the Jedi, and they need to forget about that religion so they can get back to a god, the light that can rise from a worthier source. So what he's saying with the end of the Jedi and Luke's death, the last Jedi, is that more or less the universe had put so much into Luke Skywalker, and we see him communicate this in the film itself, so much into Luke Skywalker, so much in the Jedi, that it was almost like these false gods, these false deities that they were worshiping, and he thought to himself, well, this clearly hasn't worked, so let's remove the Jedi from this and allow something else new, something different, some other light side to come up. Do you agree with that idea that aspect or that vision that ryan johnson had from the sense that that's why luke skywalker was no longer in the battle because he felt he needed to remove the jedi from the universe for it to get better no no i don't i don't agree with it at all actually i mean i i don't know i mean where they're going with the past legends you know canon but you go to the old republic you've always had the jedis there to fight whether it's the mandalorians to fight the sith because they did that because nobody else could fight them. Yeah. They, they tried making some kind of weird other like superhumans that could do the job and that just didn't work. So Jedi has always been the, the knights serving the good. So for me, that doesn't necessarily work. And then when you go back after, um, after the prequels, you know, he's, he's mentioning here that Luke is looked at um, or the Jedi's are looked at like gods. But when you go after the prequels, the Jedi's nobody even believes about Jedi's. No, everyone you forgot know, about them. They forgot about them. So it just, it doesn't really add up for me that well so um no uh i'm not really i'm not really buying those those comments yeah it's interesting because when i look at it to me it does quite a bit for my understanding of luke because you hear some of his lines when he's talking to Rhea about himself being the legendary luke skywalker yeah people put so much into him and even if you look at the resistance too like their one belief like their one operation at the start of the force awakens is find luke skywalker yeah why do you want to find them? Because they're the only one, or he's the only one they believe could end this battle with the First Order. Mm-hmm. And so they're putting so much faith into this single human. And he stepped back saying, look, this isn't what you need to do. This is why I've hidden myself, why I'm in exile. You need to figure this out for yourself. And he kind of comes around. I think that's why, to me, his death resonates a lot more. Is because you see him from this perspective. He he has this different view, a different Luke than we're used to. Yeah. You know, you see step back from it all. Not the Luke that we thought we would see in this. Right. But coming back to it all and kind of almost stepping over that line back into the battle, even though he was only in a force projection. Yeah. I think to me that means a lot more. And some of this is recontextualizing it with Johnson's ideas and how he's thought this process through. Mm-hmm. And it's not perfect, but I do like some of this and how Luke's death, like I didn't really expect him to die yeah. in this. And that still 
bothers me a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it is quite poetic. And if it's requiring him to give himself to the Force to progress the narrative of Rey and to progress the Resistance, save the Resistance, then I think it's appropriate overall. But it's it's weird too because he's saying like the Jedi have to end, but yet ultimately in this film we still see that Yoda's like, no, they still have to continue yeah. because Rey gets the books. Ray's probably going to continue down the line of training these Jedis to one day grow up. And we saw Broom Boy after yeah. the film. So clearly <laughs> these these kids of the Force are going to grow up to to battle whatever a dark side users, you know, may happen to rise. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and that, that fits actually nicely or segues nicely into the next one I want to talk about. Now, that's Ray's parentage. Yes. And that was a clear choice that he made, a conscious choice. And... One of the things he says in one of the quotes in here is, firstly, I like the idea that we're breaking out from the notion that the Force is a genetic thing that you have to be tied to someone to have it. So he introduced something that was similar to what Anakin was. Yeah, He's trying to, I guess, reintroduce that here, that not everything has to be connected to a Skywalker or a Kenobi lineage. Yeah, And that sets up more or less what we were talking about before because the Jedi isn't about one individual exactly it's about the force in itself how it's embodied and how it's controlled yes and so he seems to be almost building off this idea that the jedi in itself as they were portrayed that whole belief system somewhat needs to end but the force in itself isn't ending right like it's not about the jedi control and you see this in the film too mm -hmm. like the Jedi, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but essentially the Jedi don't have the monopoly on the Force. Yeah, they the, don't own it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's they, they're able to control it and they have kind of the set guidelines and how you should use it. Yeah. But that apparently hasn't worked. And you see that even in Ray, even in Luke, yeah. that he never really conformed to that idea of the Jedi we see in the prequel trilogy. And Ryan seems to have picked up some of these threads here, but it still shocks me a little bit that he's actually confirming here, and, you know, in Kylo's words, that they're actually nobodies. Yeah. Because I wasn't expecting that because they still left that a bit open. But with Ryan Johnson coming here in this interview and saying, no, that's that's who they are. Right. Like, that, sure, that could change with J.J. Abrams' script. Hoping so. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, and I went back and revisited The, the Force Awakens. And yeah. there's so many of those moments. And you, you say yeah. it every time we talk about right. this, about that, who is the girl? Exactly. And cut away. Exactly. Why they do did, that? Then? They leave it lingering. <laughs> Why do that? Um, you, when I read this too, I, what I kind of took is is, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bashing on Ryan Johnson, but what I took is that as if he was saying that um, you don't need to be um, connected to anybody to have the Force. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I thought we always knew that. I mean, from a New Hope, we always we always knew that. I mean, there's Force sensitive, obviously. Anakin was the only exception or, or exception. Anakin was the only one that was like naturally born with these crazy gifts yeah. that happened to have a kid, which well, twins, and then we got Luke and Leia. Apart from that, no other Jedi's were really popping babies, so everybody was very special. Yeah. So that's what I always gathered from it. I think, you know, if you go again, go back to Legends, Revan and Bastila had a kid too, but that's something different. But for the most part, these Jedi's always grew on their own. Obi-Wan Kenobi's parents weren't Jedi's, you know? Qui-Gon. Exactly. Yoda, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so it's not nothing, anything new that he's introducing here in this uh, this paragraph of his. No, no, yeah. and he, he's bringing it back, though, because there seemed to be a lot of focus, at least. And I'm still kind of in this boat that mm -hmm. whose Ray parents are actually matter. Yeah. And he's trying to say, no, his clear decision was that it doesn't matter. That's not what's going to define Ray. Yeah. What's going to define Ray is her as an individual, her ability to use the force and use that for 
good or potentially bad in some possible future. Yeah, and and, and I see what he's saying because for me, I guess it's just the way it's executed. One, we had the Force Awakens that I felt like was you know uh, hyping up the fact that. Who, who could raise parents possibly be but he brings up a good point in the article too being like you know when you go back to empire the worst thing you could have possibly said to luke is his dad is vader yeah. and the worst thing in this day and age that you could say to ray is your parents are nobody so it's like okay that's that's kind of cool i see what you're doing but if we didn't have the movie like force awakens beforehand then that might have worked for me but when you go back to the force awakens there's they're clearly trying to leave some mystery of who her parents could be if they never put that spotlight there in the first place then my expectations would have been so let down going into this film yeah you bring up an interesting point there with like a revelation like we don't have an i am your father type moment in this yeah. but we have a revelation that is almost the opposite of that right exactly. we're expecting some sort of you know crucial lineage to be revealed mm-hmm. and we get nothing so it almost has a similar inverse effect in the in the idea or the sense that we're expecting something big yeah and it didn't happen so that reframes ray the same way that it reframed luke when it was revealed that vader was his father yes and we i I, well unfortunately i wasn't alive to see the empire strikes back but from what i've heard and what i've read is that people came out of empire being like that's not true like vader can't be luke's father this doesn't make sense to me and then had to wait three years to find out more (laughs) <laughs> and so we're kind of in the same boat with this is that it was revealed that those aren't her or her parents don't matter. They're nobodies. Yeah. And now we have to wait two years to actually find out if that's true or not. Yes. So we're left with that that same almost lingering anticipation that they did coming off the back end or people that saw the Empire Strikes Back. And I'd love to hear from you guys if you saw Empire yeah. and you came out with that same feeling of, you know, what does this exactly mean? What does this do for Luke Skywalker? How can this our hero, how can his father be this, the evil, the, the villain of the film? I, I love to hear that, you know, uh, the thoughts out there, because I think that's so cool because, you know, when you go to episode four, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I fought with your dad in the Clone Wars. So in your head, you're like, no, like Luke's dad's a good guy. He yeah. fought in the Clone Wars. And then when Vader goes around and be like, no, like I am your father, think what the heck happened, yeah. you know? So uh, man, I, I, I wish I could go back in time to experience all that stuff. That's mind blowing. In my opinion right now, we walked out of the theater being like, this is the best film in the world. Well, yeah. it is one of the best films in the world, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting to to reflect on these, and I want to do this, you know, a couple times, like once a month for the next up until kind of solo and that, just to just to reframe things because some of this stuff, as you go through and you see the development process of it, it shines a different light on things. Yeah, and because Star Wars is Star Wars, we have the ability to constantly revisit these things because of everything that's been put into this is documented. Yes. Like even go to the Star Wars show that we watched. There was a, a half an hour episode yeah, half hour, yeah. where they talk about the secrets of Star Wars, mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. And you had a panel of Lucasfilm. Like story group guys. Story right? group, From yes. video games to everything. Eh? And they're talking about, oh, we did this. We did this. We put this in. And one of the things that it really enlightened me with the story group is how much they have their hands in the story. I assumed it was Ryan Johnson as he's talking through this article coming up with all these ideas. But it seems that, and maybe not major, the major plot elements, but the story group, Pablo Hidalgo and these guys, Matt Martin, have quite a bit of influence over some of the details of the script, like naming characters and yeah. adding in little pieces for this whole world. Like even the, the idea of the porgs is like, it was a problem that was solved because there's birds flying around. Right. 
And so the story group seems to have a lot of influence on even some of these particular ideas that Ryan Johnson himself developed. And then they've kind of tweaked and massaged as they've gone through the writing process. Mm -hmm. So I, I, like, I didn't have an idea. I thought the story group in itself was more of we're keeping track of things that everyone's writing. You know, you submit us a book. Yeah. We read through it and say, no, you got to change this name to this. This guy can't be here. So on and so forth. But yeah. they seem to be more, more in the driver's seat than I would have expected. For sure. And I think it's also interesting because I think Pablo also has a big take on the, um, like, the, was it those, those books that come out where there's like design choices and whatnot. I think yeah, you have a couple the, of books. What do you call it? The um, guidebooks. The guidebooks. Pablo the visual has dictionary. The visual dictionary. He writes them. He writes those. And so I think it's pretty cool how they leave some of those things open. For instance, the big, the big rumor going into um, The Last Jedi was, I think there was like that cool crystal that Luke yeah, has. the kyber crystal. The kyber. And everybody thought, oh, that must be Vader's, you know, yeah. kyber crystal that Luke holds to him. And they didn't confirm that in the movie or even the book, but it's left open. You know, that one day maybe they could touch on that and yeah. do stuff. I think so, it's in the visual dictionary. It's yeah. like some Sith artifact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of stuff's cool. Snoke's ring, obviously, yeah. it's parts of Mustafar and also uh, Palpatine's statues. Yeah. I believe, which, you know, you go back to Revenge of the Sith, you can see those statues in there, which is cool. I just think that the whole story group, a lot of respect for what they do there. It's yeah. it's, it's great stuff. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of Snoke, you segued me again brilliantly <laughs> into this <laughs> next point. This is one of the other points here that we'll talk about is Snoke's unceremonious death allowed for a new paradigm. So to sum this up, Ryan Johnson said, I like Snoke as a character, as Andy Circus plays him. He's delicious, evil, and fun. But Kylo to me is where the interesting stuff is. And the notion of clearing the deck of the Vader Emperor dynamic so that all bets are off in terms of how the villainy is going to play out. That seemed to me like much more of an interesting thing. And it just seemed natural. If we had stopped in the middle of the scene to give a monologue, it would have stopped dead in its tracks and we would have cut it out in the editing room. This is not the Snoke story. So what he's saying here basically is that he didn't feel that the pacing of the movie could support explaining Snoke as a character. And then also the thing he's saying here, for Kylo to develop, they needed to put Snoke away and get away from this Vader Emperor vibe. What are your takes on that? Yeah, still not feeling it. <laughs> still not feeling it. Because, you know, when you say that, you can also go back to the prequels or even the original trilogy and say this isn't an Emperor's movie. Yeah. But we still had him throughout the whole trilogy, both trilogies. And obviously, he wasn't fleshed out in the original, but they fleshed him out in the prequels. But that, to me, is all just goes back to old-fashioned storytelling. You don't have time to develop the the, the big bad as much as you do now. Whereas now, we, we like to hear more backstory with these characters, yeah. especially in the world of like Marvel and DC um, movies. So I still feel like you could have kept him around. He could have been developed in the next film, even. And he still could have had Kylo Ren go and do his thing. But the thing is, again, the inconsistencies. Uh, Snoke's been built up so powerful. I think even Andy Serkis a week before the movie came out said he's the most powerful villain we've ever seen. He's more powerful than the Emperor and more powerful, powerful than Vader. So I'm like, okay. And then we see what he did to um, Hux using the Force. And then here we go. We get Kylo taking him out. No problem. So didn't didn't really work for me. Um, it still felt underdeserving for 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 Kylo to get to that um, leadership role so fast because he doesn't have like one the motives and and two he just doesn't have that uh, gravitas yeah. of, of that leadership. So um, all in all, I'm still not really a believer of uh, of his comments. I guess you could say. Yeah, it, yeah, the the whole Snoke thing is interesting because I'm not 
so much in support of the idea that they didn't have time or that the movie had to stop dead in its tracks yeah. to explain Snoke. Mm-hmm. You could have done some of this in those brief moments we had with the Force Link or whatever you want to call it. Right. The Force Dates. Yeah. Like you could have explained a bit in there just even using words or verbalizing it this is what snoke did or you know we take time to pause to go back and explain a bit of the the luke kylo and their different perspectives on what happened there Mm -hmm. at luke's school you to me you don't have to stop the movie and say we're going to explain snoke now right i don't want ryan johnson coming on the screen and said five minute interlude it's not (laughs) now time for snoke you saw a lot of this actually in the aftermath books okay it's where they'd have these interludes where essentially they'd go off world outside of the story and tell a completely different story on Tatooine or something. Wow. That takes you out of the film. That takes you out of the story, out of the book. It gives you some context of things going on in the universe, but it makes you pause for 20 pages until you get back into the story. I'm not well, I'm not advocating for that, and I don't think anyone would have wanted something like that. No. But you could have brought some context to Snoke without having the whole movie come to a grinding halt. Yeah. Like, you spend a lot of time developing characters just in passing. Well, look at Kaito Be- uh, Kanto Bite. Yeah. Look how much time you spent there. You've already introduced flashbacks in this film for the first time ever in a Star Wars movie. Why not give us some kind of flashback, even just of Snoke's training uh, over Kylo Ren? Yeah. Some kind of stuff from there. Like you could have done stuff too. Like, we, we had a Force vision mm-hmm. from Rey in The Force Awakens. Yes. Why not do something similar with Kylo Ren? Right. Where you have him exploring his past through a Force back. I can't remember. Force vision, Force back. Whatever force back. Yeah, yeah, Force back have him pick up something significant or when he's doing kind of that force link with Ray at some point he, he links up with Luke or something specific that Luke has Mm -hmm. that makes him do a similar force back. Yes. Cause you got a lot of, a lot from that from Ray. You got the introduction of the Knights of Ren more or less. Yeah. The, the destruction of the school, you got Obi-Wan and Yoda in that scene. Like there's a lot that comes from that. And you could have gotten a lot more from just these quick scenes, these quick cuts, like him with the Knights of Ren, him with Snoke. And like as a kid, Snoke coming over him and saying like, look, you need to, you know what I mean? Like you could have done a lot with one of these quick cut scenes. Like you don't have to stop the movie to to do all this. You could have done it. Like I, I fully agree that that to me seems like maybe a misstep overall with Snoke and moving him out of the way and, and shifting the dynamic to create something a little different for Kylo Ren. Yeah. I don't disagree with that comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that you're making way, it seems like at least this movie was making way for all these new characters. Right, right? for sure. Maybe we don't want to replicate the Emperor Vader vibe, right? I don't want a story of Kylo or a redemptive story for Kylo. Yeah. I don't want him to have to make a decision between killing Snoke and killing Rey. Of course, yeah. And that was kind of a little what we got here, and he made his decision, but then he eventually flipped right back, right, and ended up fighting for Rey, against Rey, and against Luke. Yes. So he didn't switch sides there. So they'd already done that. Did they need to kill Snoke? Did they need to remove this super powerful force user, force right. wielder? Maybe. Does Did we need that in this film? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. A little I, too soon. I think it's a little too soon. Yeah. Like, because now you're left in a space, and we talked about this in a review where we have Kylo as the big bad, mm-hmm. and can you picture him right yet as the big bad, or did you need someone looming over him into Episode Nine to have the believability? I think you could have still had Luke pass away in that fashion mm-hmm. and save the Resistance or the Rebellion, as maybe they're now called again. Yeah. 
but I think you still needed something to to keep the thumb on Kylo until he's fully released in Episode Nine, maybe. Yeah, because he still has a bit of a, a henchman uh, presence, in, in my opinion, as yeah. opposed to a supreme leader. And he's unstable. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And so how they move this into Episode Nine is going to be interesting, and because mm-hmm. we never saw Vader at the helm of the empire right yeah like we never saw him and he you, you could consider anakin quite unstable as well oh yeah vader too yeah. right yeah and so you're trying to picture vader in the role of the emperor and you never really get there you, you never do but at least in that defense you can say uh revenge you know anakin when he's last talks to padme he says i'm, I'm stronger than the emperor or, yeah. or or the chancellor and i can overrule him because anakin's thing was always to bring order eventually he, he came as a, he came from the from Tatooine being a slave yeah. so he wants order where we don't really see what drives kylo no which is just, pure power almost. i guess so yeah 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 and it almost says it's well kill the past seems to be driving him in this film That's right the theme you know throughout. you know you know remove Han Solo. Like he killed his father and his uncle yeah. within a span of what could be days. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hours. he had the opportunity to kill his mother. Yeah. But didn't, but then saw her, well, maybe thinks he saw her die. Yeah. So he could have wiped out his entire family in almost days. Yeah. And so that was his driving motivation is that, and it's almost to me, Kyle's motivation is he wants to be, or he wants to fully embrace the dark side, but he can't do that with the lingering light side in him. And he feels that he needs to end any connection to the light side before he can fully embrace the dark side. Right. So, you know, he's removed solo. He's removed Skywalker. Now his mother's still out there, but now he's removed maybe that last lingering threat or impedance to him fully embracing the dark side in Snoke was Snoke keeping him down. Mm. So like he's gone around and killed everyone around him essentially. Yeah. Like he's literally murdered three people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, I guess Luke, not really, but he would have if he could have. Yeah. So he's trying to get power by just removing anyone else that is in front of him. So you do see some motivations there as you kind of talk through it that he's trying to grasp power, but doing it in a way that is just killing everyone around him. <laughs> unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> Very unbalanced. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about here before we sign off is Luke and company's expanded force powers had to compete with what we'd seen before. So one thing that we really saw in The Last Jedi is them stepping up and doing very different force or revealing very different force powers. And Ryan Johnson had this to say. First of all, it's tough because at this point between The Force Awakens and even the video games, the level of force powers has slowly come up. I feel like we still offered a bit of a strain because we didn't have anyone pulling Star Destroyers to the sky. And believe me, it came up when Luke came out on the field. I was like, should we have him wave his hands and blow the wall, all the walkers off like dust? So one of the things that he's describing here is this, this constant upping of the force powers and what they had to do. And this also relates to what they did with Leia as well, which is one of the huge sticking points in the film. Something that that Ryan Johnson also reveals here is when they're talking about Leia and expanding her idea and bringing her a dramatic force using moment. It's something that Kathy kept bringing up, which I thought was interesting. She says, I've always been intrigued by what Luke says to Leia in Jedi and that she has the power inside of her also and why we haven't seen that yet. And the idea behind Leia's big moment was that it was not incredibly powerful because she's in space and that doesn't offer much resistance. It doesn't take much for her to pull her back, but also it is that it's instinctual. It's like when you hear parents that have a toddler trapped in her car 
and they lift up the car with the Hulk strength. <laughs> and the idea is not going to end today. She's not finished yet. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how we talked through it and how I rationalized a bit of the Leia stuff in my head was that this is like a life-saving move. She needs to do this. And instinctually, her body says, use the force. Everything that you've got inside of you, use it. The lack of resistance in space also helps out with these type of things. But overall, the force powers that were used in this, and this idea of of constantly elevating what's going on or escalating the force powers. Do you still have any kind of lingering issues with Leia or <laughs> the powers that were used, this force projection or the force linking that we saw between Rey and Kylo? Yeah, I still have major issues with, with Leia. I yeah. mean, we've had countless amount of times she's been in danger and she's never done something that, like, you know, the trash compactor, uh, the napkin bombing, all these things. She's never done something like that. Um, for me, the force, like, I mean, everyone takes it differently, but it's never been like an X-Men mutant power where it's like this rage control where you just you use yeah. it. Um, to me, it's, it always goes back to Dagobah. You've been trained to use the force. You've been trained to lift up an X, X-Wing. Um, for Luke, um, that force projection or whatever, the more I've seen the film, the more it's kind of grown on me. A little bit. I, I still would have liked to seen him do like the whole Star Killer move where he brings down the Star Destroyer, or or do that cool move that he's talking about with the walkers. Yeah, I think that would have been. Boom. Yeah, I think that would have been pretty cool. I, I guess in Legends, there's been other uh, instances where there has been kind of like a force projection, so we have kind of seen something like this before. But I guess it it, it still works. Um, I think what I could take away from this film the most that I actually appreciate is probably the force connection. Yeah. Between Ray and. Um, and Kylo, I think that works for me the best, and it still feels like it belongs in the world of Star Wars. The biggest thing with Leia, whether she used powers or not, that's not necessarily the issue. It's just how it was done and how what she did, yeah. how it looked. That's what takes me out of the film. Yeah. It didn't feel like Star Wars. It felt like an X Men thing. Guardians. Guardians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I, I like this. He kind of reconfirms here how I rationalized in my head. For sure. That it was something that she had to do to live. Yeah. And I can buy into that. When it comes to the other force powers and this idea of escalation within other movies, we see new things introduced all the time, right? In Empire, we saw the force ghost, right? Yeah. Um, in all these other movies, we've seen different elements of the force. The speed, the force speed. speed yeah, the, the, yeah, the leap and all that. Yeah, that we shatter saw. point from base Windu, all those kinds exactly. of things. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that are introduced. And I'm happy to expand the idea of the force abilities. And I like the idea that something like the force projection, we don't see a lot because it kills you. Yeah. Right? It's something that it takes in a tremendous amount of strength. And maybe giving yourself to the force is the payoff for actually using this. And so I like that they introduced that element that we're not just going to see people force projecting themselves all over the place because <laughs> there are implications for it. You've set up a boundary, something within your universe to, to put constraints on this power. So you're not using it all the time. And so I like that they kind of went down different avenues and did different things with the force. And even this force link thing, I think it's kind of cool that, and something that was brought up, where the heck did I see this? might have been on the Star Wars show where they talk about how when Kylo gets into Rey's head and she gets back into his head, that that almost could have established a connection between the two of them. Oh, from Force Awakens. Yeah, from Force Awakens. That was like your initial linkage between the two. Right. Because Snoke says he's the one that facilitates it, but maybe he's just facilitating the way that he's, you know, putting a conduit or diverting the Force between the two of them to 
make them aware of this linkage, but that whole connection point when he's trying to get inside her head and she figures out how to get inside of his, maybe that's when they link and they almost like imprint on each other. Right. And so that linkage, that bond is there. It's mm-hmm. always going to be there. It just needs someone else to facilitate it through the force to make it happen. Right. And I really like that idea, that aspect of it, and bringing that in from The Force Awakens and kind of linking those two permanently together. That's cool. So that's something I'd like to see almost more of is yeah. that they're playing off each other more and more. And you're getting this weird dynamic where they're kind of inside of each other's heads. So they're seeing from the perspective of maybe more of the dark side and more of the light side. So yeah. you're going to see a very different dynamic between the two of them going forward. Because this idea of imprinting on each other, I, I, I really like that concept of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Overall, I think, you know, Ryan Johnson, he's out there. He's, he's talking things through. There's some other things in here about the Ray and Kyle's connection being complicated. The stable boy wasn't actually almost in the film. <laughs> so I'd stretch you guys to go check out some of these other ones. We're not going to rock through any more of these, but it's on Empire Online. Just type in The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson interview, and it's all there. All the, There's a transcript of it, and then there's actually the podcast you can go listen to. Quite a lengthy one, over two hours long. Wow. But overall, I think that... Uh, that's that's good for Last Jedi talk for now. I think oh, yeah. the next time that we need to revisit this is after we've seen the movie again now, whether that's after home release or I may go try to check it out next week, actually. Oh, there you go. When, when is home release? I think uh, we talked about this last week, I think. <laughs> uh, I want to say April. I might okay. be wrong, though. Okay. I might be wrong, yeah. but somewhere along those lines. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what else comes out in the in the coming weeks with regards to some of the secrets revealed and yeah. what they did in fo- as far as the develop. I think we're going to get a lot more of this for this film in particular because of kind of the Rocky fandom reception and overall moviegoer reception. Because yeah. it's not faring so well on Rotten Tomatoes anymore. Has it gone down? Well, it's at like 90% more? from the critics, but it's like below 50 for audience. Right reviews and that so yeah it's uh, you know it, it might just be i think i think your wife might brought it up too actually is it might be the case where it's like when episode nine comes out it'll be like the winter soldier effect it might make this film better yeah. all the things they've established here might transcend better into the next film and that might make me appreciate this film more so uh but for now well i'm i'm the, I'm the audience score right now <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sitting kind of a little bit on the other side of that i'm looking yeah. forward to getting another viewing in with cool. some more of this in context because it kind of reaffirms some of the ideas that I had and hearing yeah. it coming directly from the person that actually constructed the film yes. means quite a lot. So I can appreciate what Ryan Johnson's doing. I'm looking forward to getting some information on what he's doing next in this new trilogy, Yeah, releasing the shackles of the original trilogy characters, bringing in some new elements and just doing something different may really benefit Ryan Johnson here. And we still don't know what the timeline where this could be. No, we don't have any indication yeah. on that. I don't think we're going to get much of that news until after Solo drops. And do you think they'll still go through with Ryan Johnson for this new trilogy? I think so. I think so, yeah. I don't think they're going to walk back on that one. Yeah. I think that he's a very capable creator. Mm-hmm. And I think he may do a bit better for fandom outside of something that's already been pre-established. The hardest part about doing these films is that we're I'm all like we're all under the impression that there's Kevin Feige. Yeah. Like that Kathleen Kennedy maybe is directing these things the same way that Feige is hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. And maybe she is, but with JJ Abrams submitting a script for episode 9 yeah. tells me that that they don't have 
maybe the framework set up that I was always in the impression that they did. Like when I look at these films, starting from The Force Awakens, I had this impression that they had a story mapped out for Ray, Finn, Poe, Luke, everyone. Yeah. And they just had to figure out how to get from A to C type that's thing, right. right? And it doesn't maybe look like that's the case. Yeah, because with Force Awakens, uh, when that came out, Ryan Johnson was still writing episode eight. Yeah, well, because they switched the with R2, right? Yes. And that was to get that scene in so that he could project and, and motivate Luke. Yeah. And so that was cool. That was cool. I like that, actually. You're, you're really cool. seeing a lot of this being built as it goes, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like they said... Our end game is Infinity War. It's 2012. Infinity War is going to come out sometime between 2018 and 2020. No. Let's build there. Yeah. Right? They don't have that ongoing thread other than the fact that it's a Star Wars film. Here's our, you know, our archetypes of characters that we want. And we need to progress these three through. But you do with it what you will. And we'll make sure we get to a satisfying ending. Yeah. I don't know if they have an ending. Do you think they have an ending? Oh, um, yeah, I, I, I guess at this rate, no. I mean, Star Wars prints money. <laughs> yeah, so. which is for these characters. Like, is for there going characters. to be a hard end to this Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Episode Nine narrative? Like, are we going to get an end of the, the First Order? Are we going to see Kylo die? Are we gonna, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, how I, are, I think they'd have to with, yeah. with the, we, these trilogies. And then you can take your 10-year, you know, 15-year gap and, yeah. and bring it back. But I think you have to have a hard end. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess we'll see in a couple of years. Yeah. We've got what two years of speculating years to do. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's been an absolute blast yeah, talking through some comic books, Captain America, a little bit of collecting, and of course, Avengers 4 and The Last Jedi. We will be back next week, hopefully, talking about a solo trailer. I have this feeling that as soon as this episode drops, we're also going to be alongside a solo trailer. <laughs> So if that happens, we will be back next week to for sure talk about that. Oh, we'll dissect it. And in the absence of a solo trailer, we will for sure be back talking all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. Now, if you guys would like to be a part of the show, you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our YouTube or Facebook pages. And as always, we're always hanging out on Twitter. So you can grab us there. Our handles, as always, are at the end of the episode and you can also hit us up at the nerdroom.net. It's been a bit quiet on there recently as we've transported into the new nerd room, into the new year. But hopefully in the coming weeks, we're going to be putting up a few more articles again, filling in some of those gaps. And as we announced a couple of weeks ago, look out for the nerd room detours. That is coming. We are working on that. And you'll see that hopefully debuting within the next couple of months. We got Rebels returning here at some point too. And this month we'll also be coming back with our MCU retrospective episode on Iron Man 3. Look for that to coming out the last week of January. Really excited to do that. And we'll be moving into Black Panther and Winter Soldier, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, and then into Avengers Infinity War. Oh man, lots of good movies to watch. Yeah. There we go. Big things coming. Big things happening in the nerd room. 2018, I can't wait to continue with everything that we've talked about comic books. Oh, man. Loving it. Loving it. I'm starting up right now. I'm going to go read some as soon as we're done here. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. And for the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the nerd room. This has been a nerd room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. 
including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.